0: Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit FlorenceCrossroadAG.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. I am so grateful for this wonderful church. It's... It's just such a great place to come. I look so forward every Sunday morning to coming in here for a couple reasons. One, I get my donut, (laughs) and a cup of coffee, and we get to celebrate the presence of Jesus together. It's a wonderful time. Uh, We've been in this series, uh, we have one more message left in this series of His Needs, Her Needs. It's really relationships, it's about family, it's about marriage, it's about Connecting with one another—it's about all kinds of things that are relational and dynamic. Uh, this morning, I want to look at a whole nother passage or area here, and and I pray that you will will just join with me as we look together. Let's let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. Y'all, y'all need help this morning. Well, the preacher really needs help this morning. Amen. He just needs a needs his mind to be not so fuzzy this morning. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. I pray you... You would just help us with uh, the things that you have given to us to share. And I pray that you would guide and direct these words right, right, right to the very core of our heart together. We thank you, Father Ford. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, I was at an event yesterday, last night. We, the Rotary had uh, its uh, annual auction. And so it was, a, it was a theme around the year 1969. I was part of the witness protection program. You wouldn't have recognized me. And if you did, it was an amazing time. Somebody said, why didn't you wear that long hair and that tie-dyed shirt to church this morning? I have better respect for the house of God than to do that. (laughs) Amen. It was fun. The book of Nehemiah prophet says these words, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I like those words. Remember the Lord who is great and... Say those words with me. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Now listen to the rest of the verse. And fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. We're in a spiritual war that has a whole lot of obstacles and an enormous amount of force being applied against the family. Whether it be spiritual or, or moral or economic or cultural, social forces, they're all trying to compete and destroy your home. I think there are four traits that I want to share with you this morning about how to have an awesome family. I don't want an average family. You don't have to work hard to have an average family. I want an awesome family. Amen. And I thank God I believe I have an awesome family. And I've got an awesome church that we belong to and we're part of. Amen. Amen. First thing that hits me is an awesome family. They're playful. Now, I just have some illustrations of some of this this morning. And one of the things that I think that, that an awesome family plays are games. How many of you ever played Candyland. How many of you played it ad nauseum? <laughs> Most of you have preschoolers, right? <laughs> it's it's a fun game. It's it's a game that just teach. You don't have to have a lot of PhD background in this game. All you have to do is show up. All right, Candyland. It, it's 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 a game of chance. It puts. Adults and kids on the same field. It's a wonderful game, but it's, it's a time with families. Today's families are so consumed. They're, they're busy, they're tired, they're negative, they're worn out, they're, they're just altogether too serious. And sometimes we simply need to play. What fun things does your family do together? I, I've asked that question of a lot of kids and a lot of children, and it's amazing the answers that come out of it, the average family is all work and very little play. We work hard all day long. We come home. We have to clean up the house. We have chores to do. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. It's all play, 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 play. Excuse me, work, work, work. Yeah. Should be play, play, play. No, not really. But family, family's not about a boot camp, and and moms and dads are the are the drill sergeants. It's not a it's not a business where mom and dad are the CEOs. It's not a, a, a some kind of a research science center where we're trying to figure out a new thing with our kids. No, it's it's a unique relationship. I love the way that that Solomon said it in the Book of Ecclesiastes. So I command the enjoyment of life. I like that. I'm ready for a party. Amen? So be glad. I I like the the phrases of it. Paul says, I command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hopes in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Listen to this. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I like that. God wants us to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us, I don't think it's just all a party, but I think he certainly wants us to enjoy life. Can you say amen to that? Solomon again says in in chapter 11, verse 8, first part of it, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives. When our children were at home, number one thing I wanted for my kids to know about our family wasn't that we were godly or smart. That's not that I didn't want that, but that's not the number one thing. I wanted them to know that they were loved and that we could have fun together. And we did. We had some crazy times together. My wife would, every once in a while, go up to the high school, and she would drag our kids out of school and take them for coffee. It was an excused absence or so she thought. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while I'd go and grab my kids and I'd take them. We go on we'd do stuff. We just it was a fun adventure. It was just a fun time. I remember taking my son hunting one time and and uh had to get his homework and get everything taken care of. I had one teacher that was kind of dragging his feet, didn't want it. was going to make it an unexcused absence. And I looked at him, and I said, my son's going to learn more this week with me about life than he is with you in that classroom. Amen. And I won. <laughs> and we had fun. Life is too short to be so stodgy. Amen. Listen to this. People don't remember what you say but they will remember how you made them feel. And that doesn't matter whether it's a a child in a parent relationship, a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband, friend to friend, employer to employee. It doesn't matter. How you make them feel is really more paramount than anything else in life. Ecclesiastes says it again. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. I, I think the greatest thing we can do to show how much we love our kids is to love our wives, to love our husbands, to love those significant people in our life in front of our kids. I love it when our kids say, oh, dad, get a room. I love it. You know what I'm talking about. I give her a big smooch. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Feel like doing it right now. (laughs) I've got the ring. Life's too short, guys. Please hear my heart this morning. We love our kids. We love our grandkids. We love people around us. We love our husbands. We love our wives. We love our significant others. We love people. We need to show that love, and we need to let them know that life can be fun in the process. David said, children are a gift from the Lord. Sometimes they're a gift we'd like to exchange, but... They're gift, nonetheless. <laughs> and we love them. I mean, we love them, you know. I remember our son was colicky the first six months he was born, and I held off the last payment because if he didn't straighten up, I thought they could repossess him, but <laughs> he straightened up. What can I say? Gift. A gift is given intended to be enjoyed. The relationships you have in life, your friends, those are gifts. Enjoy those gifts. Your children are gifts. Your grandchildren are gifts. Enjoy those gifts. I I think it's so important. I've asked kids, so many kids, what is the number one thing you like to do with your family? What is the number one thing? I've asked children here. I've asked them many times. What is the number one thing? You'll be surprised. We live in a technological world, don't we? But you know, the number one answer that came through so many of these children is, I want to play a board game with mom and dad. Now, think about that. That is old school. It, it's, it's, it's nothing fancy. A board game. We, we have kid, our kids come for Christmas, and what do you think they want to do? They want to play board games. They want to, they've got all of these crazy games they want to play and 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 it isn't so much the technology in fact at that time phones go in a basket because we want to pace see people i i just I just hate it when I'm talking to somebody like this Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you all have the same anger problem I have I mean I just you know just but but They want want to play a board game. They want to go to the park. Here, I've had people, kids, me, I want to go to the beach. You know what? It really is a common denominator that they have. I want time with my parents. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E, time. That's what people need today is time. Last week in the message, I shared his needs, her needs, and I shared several of these various unique needs. And one of them was, was communication and, and play. That is so important. One of the books that I gave you as a reference point is a book called Five Love Languages. It's a powerful love lang- book. It speaks about how and what your need is in that sense. My wife's love language is pretty simple. There are two of them. Quality time and acts of service. Those are her love languages. She kind of likes hanging out with me. Don't understand that. Yeah. If you'd have seen me last night, you'd have wondered why. <laughs> the point of it is, is that it's quality time. It's time together. That's what people need today. We we live in such a hurried world. We need that time. Second thing, awesome families encourage growth. They encourage growth. If I, if I could illustrate that, it's, it's kind of like... A garden. I don't, I don't, I, I can't raise a big garden. Every time I do, I have more weeds than I have plants. Anybody here have the same malady? I, it doesn't take any effort to grow weeds. But to grow a garden, you've got to tend them. I, I have plants that I love to grow. I love my fuchsias, and I love my geraniums. And right now, I, I have them all in my garage, and they're nice and warm, They're starting to bloom. I've worked at them. I've pinched them back so that they grow and so they sprout more, so they fill out. I, I fertilize them. I water them. The same is true with family relationships. We have to develop them. We have to nurture them. We have to work at them. An average family, you don't have to work. You just exist. But an awesome family, you have to put energy into that. There's things that you have to give, you have to, you have to develop in, in an awesome family. I want awesome families. How many of you here want an awesome family? And, and I think that with that, there are some things that, that I think happen. Jesus gives us an illustration. It, in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, with favor with God, and in man, with man. And and there are four kinds of growth that I see in there: one, he grew in wisdom, that's intellectual growth, stature, that's physical growth. Favor with God is spiritual growth, and favor with men is social growth. Do you understand that it's not just my children that need that? I need to grow in all four of those areas? You need to grow the people that are around me, the people I work with. I want to stimulate that growth so that there's 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 intellectual growth there's There's physical growth. And by the way, we're all continuing to grow. I've I've heard this from reliable sources that we never stop growing, at least our ears and our nose. So when I'm 95, you're going to say, Dumbo. (laughs) (laughs) We never stop growing. Spiritually, we should never come to a plateau. We should always be growing socially. Stepping out of our comfort zones sometimes. Encouraging and in, in, in integrating into, cl- into the cultures around us. Being an influencer to those around us. I, I just think that's so important. Uh, most of the things that you struggle with as an adult came as a result of never dealing with as a child. And there are some things that I think that are imperative to that. For example... How do I handle emotions? If I don't learn these in my home, if I don't train these with my children, then I'm going to fail to launch as an adult in these areas. If I don't learn how to deal with with my emotions, in a healthy family, you learn how to recognize your feelings, how to name them, how to own up to your feelings, how to express your feelings correctly, how to not stuff them but deal with them. One of the most dangerous things you can ever tell a child is stop crying. Because you're teaching that child to deny an emotion that he's dealing with. You're telling that child, stuff your emotions. Stymie your emotions. And when we stuff things, it's going to come out ultimately. Ultimately. And most generally, it's not going to look pretty. It's okay to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying. There's a cathartic thing that happens when tears come. There's, there's a unique dynamic that occurs physiologically within every human life. Tears and crying is not a bad thing. The Bible says weep with those that weep. There's nothing wrong with that. But yet we live in a society where we, we have to stuff all of this stuff. It's wrong. Secondly, how to handle conflict. I'm convinced that if two people agree on everything, one of you isn't necessary. Now think about that. In a marriage... Do you always agree with your wife? No, she's always right. (laughs) Most of the time. How many of you guys know that? How many of you have ever been right? (laughs) I don't see one hand. (laughs) What can I say? How do you handle conflict in front of children? I don't think it's right to, to get into some kind of a shouting match or that kind of thing. I think it's wrong to do that. I think it's damaging to do that. But I, I do think it's important that kids see how you deal with conflict. How, how do you come to those moments of impasse where you work through those things? I, I love my staff. And we, we have some very spirited conversations. And I want that. I don't want arguments. I just but I want them to dialogue. I want them to share what they're seeing. I want that. I need that. They need that. It's always all right to disagree, but never make it personal. That's the boundary line. And we have our cuss and kiss sessions every so often. <laughs> now, we don't cuss, but I don't think. <laughs> but we discuss. We talk, we dialogue. That's healthy. Y'all understand that? This isn't, boy, I've got too many things up here on a short platform. (laughs) There there are two kinds of reactions that happen, and they're negative, and most people fall into these. There's either the, the mute martyr or there is the maniac. You hold it in or you explode. It's the skunk and the turtle. You always know when the skunk's ticked off because they're spraying it all over everybody. And a turtle, they just suck it in. What's really crazy is most generally, skunks marry turtles. Never figured that one out. How do you handle loss? That's another game. I, I, I love the game. Well, I can't say I love it, but shoots but and ladders. How many of you ever played that game with your kids? <laughs> Age is three plus. <laughs> IQ is not required. A PhD isn't, isn't a re- requisite for this game. It's a game of chance. You've got dice, you're going to roll them. It puts mom and dad on the same level as a three-year-old. Laney is just as capable as Jeff <laughs> in this game. <laughs> Got to gotta clarify that <laughs> in this game. And you know what this game teaches? It teaches that sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. There's ups and there's downs. That's what life is. Life isn't just one constant high. There's 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 Wonderful moments, and then there's horrible losses. You know, I I love football, and we lived in, in Lodi. Every year, I would end up going to a San Francisco-Oakland Bay game. And it was always interesting. The Oakland fans were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in the bleachers looking... Out at the field, before the game, my son calls, says, Dad, where are you? I told him. He says, really, you're at the 49th? I was at Old Candlestick then. He says, what's it like? I said, well, right now I see six fights, and three of them are women. <laughs> and they're all Oakland fans. <laughs> now, I'm just telling you the, what I saw. I'm not here to take sides. The point being is, is that I would rather have my football team lose a preseason game than go all the way winless to the Super Bowl and lose there. It's better to have some losses early in life so that you can learn valuable life lessons than to lose at the end. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's important. These kinds of games, they're, they're important valued values to each of us. They, they teach us how to take turns. How to use teamwork, how to win graciously, how to lose without without throwing a fit. Proverbs says it this way, even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up again. We're teaching our kids, when we play games with them, we're teaching them about resilience. You may not win this time, but you know what? There's going to be another game. There's another opportunity. Isn't that what we're trying to teach them? Isn't that what we need to know in and of ourselves? Fourth thing is, what values matters most? Would you agree that the world is teaching our children values that aren't very good? It's it's interesting because they're not teaching values of, of, of character that will build them. The the, the values of the world is the more money you have, the more important, successful, and more fulfilled, and more significant your life will be. Is that true? Everything is about sex. Is that true? The more you can get people to praise you and more valuable you are. Is that true? But those are the values that are being thrown at our kids every single day. Those are the values that are being thrown at you every single day. Are you aware that there's a whole generation that's running around trying to figure out how many likes they get? And if they don't get enough likes, their life sucks. That's our world. Those are the values that are being thrown at our kids and at you every single day. Satan is so predictable. He has three Concepts of sin that he's thrown at every human life from the beginning of time. And we know them from a biblical perspective as the pride, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. They can be kind of pulled down to this, how I feel, what I do, and where I go. So, social, social scientists calls it hedonism, materialism, and secularism. I call it sex, salary, and status. (laughs) Power, prestige, popularity. It's what society is teaching your kids and grandkids that are the value points of life. Watch television and put those three principles against every single advertisement that you see on the news, on the media today. An advertisement that's being thrown at you, regurgitated on you like garbage trucks unloading on you will have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. You drive this car and you've got status. He didn't say that with Hugos. You all understand what I'm saying? You, it, it's this whole image thing it's this whole concept and it's what's being thrown at us and, 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 and the problem is we bought into it how about good habits how do we teach good habits to our children Our kids were little, we we gave them a little bit of an allowance and we, we told them that that allowance had three dynamics to it. One, they had to pay their tithe and they had to put some money away and then they could spend some. That's values. I remember we were getting ready to build a church in Pendleton and our son was about, what was John, about five? And we're getting ready to do this campaign to to raise monies to do this building project. I didn't pay much attention. He got in the car. (laughs) I, I didn't pay attention to him, but when we got to the church he gets out and he's got this it was it was the ugliest piggy bank I've ever seen in my life. It was it was almost it was pink. I mean real pink. It was about that tall. And it was about three-fourths full, probably weighed 15 pounds. I mean, it was amazing. He he grabs the thing by its ears and ka-thunk, and he's dragging it in the church. And I said, (laughs) what are you doing? He says, you're taking an offering for the building, and I'm going to give this morning. That piggy bank helped me build a church. Because he was taught values to give that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So I went to the pulpit that morning, and I had that goofy little pink piggy behind the pulpit. And when we got ready to take the offering, I pulled it out, and I said, my son is the first giver to this new, new building project. I don't know how much money was in there. It was probably $25, $30. I don't know. I don't know how much was in there. Don't remember. And, you know, back in the dark ages. What I'm trying to say is, is we teach them habits. There, there's some good ways to do it, and there's some bad ways. I think first we teach by example. John 13 says, and if, you, if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you should do the same for each other. I have set the example. We set an example as grandparents, as adults, to our children. Kids don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see one. I don't remember who it was that said. By all means preach the gospel. And when necessary use words. <laughs> Through conversations. We teach Values the conversation Deuteronomy 6 says you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them When you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up It's not just saying how's the weather no we're having a conversation. We're talking about things. We're discussing things When they get up in the morning and you have breakfast what are you talking about? What are the conversations? This is, and, and, and we're commanded by God to have conversations with our kids, our grandkids, with our husbands, with our wives, about the things of the Lord. When we get up, when we're driving, when we're taking a walk, when we're playing ball, when, when they come home and, and they go to bed, they should be hearing our, we should be discussing, talking Having conversations with them. These are the values that we need to teach. Second thing that hits me is that there are certain ways that we shouldn't teach. You should. You. you will never, ever get anything done by criticism. Nagging doesn't work. Complaining doesn't work. Condemning doesn't work. When you criticize, you're focusing on what? you don't want, rather than what you do want. How many of you know we've all blown it? When you you criticize, you're labeling people, you're reinforcing the negatives about their lives. Criticism. Well, it's my gift. Well, get a new one. Being hard and rough on your kids will push them toward failure. I can't tell you how many times I've had an adult come to me and said, I have never been able to live up to the expectations of my parents. They've never told me what I've done right. They always tell me what I do wrong. You know, it works in preaching. I, I could get up here and I could list every sin innumerable, I don't have to, you already know them what I want to do is tell you about the prince of peace, the lover of your soul the God that can forgive, redeem and restore the one that's going to bring you to a point of repentance repentance is turning your mind to another direction that's what I want to bring, I'm not here to give you a litany of all of your sins, you already know them do you follow what I'm saying? I want to tell you what we can be and what God wants to to do in our lives. That's that's my whole... Hallelujah. Paul says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't be so critical that you drive them away. That's what he's saying. Second, negative, and we fall into these, we tend to do this, as kind of easy to get into the habit of complaining and criticizing, but how about comparing? Why don't you act like your brother? I'll tell you why, he's not his brother. Every one of us are unrepeatable miracles of God. Out of the nine point whatever billion people on this planet, there's not one other person exactly like you. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Hello? All of us are unique. We're unique. We're unique. We're God-shaped. Could you hear Mary and Joseph saying to James and to Judas, why don't you act like Jesus, your brother? (laughs) Oh, that's going to be sweet. Guy never did anything wrong. How are you going to live up to that? They couldn't because they weren't him. Talk about sibling rivalry. It's unhelpful. It's unfair. It's lethal to any relationship. Galatians says it this way each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others, then he can be proud of what he himself has done. Comparing. Don't compare your husband to somebody else. Don't compare your wife to somebody else. Don't compare your, your relationship with someone compared to somebody else's relationship with them. Do, do you all understand what I'm saying? Don't do that. It's harmful. It's harmful third principle awesome families protect one another i thought about how can i share that you all know what this is it's a really big raincoat a really big raincoat I could look like I'm from the hood. <laughs> but what's a raincoat do? Protects us from the storms. Y'all understand that? And there are storms that happen in every life. Every family, every human being, every one of us are going to fight and find ourselves in storms. Matthew says that you may be children Of your Father in heaven, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Every person alive is going to go through storms. And there are some storms that we all face. And when you go through those storms, you need protection from those storms. And awesome families learn how to protect one another. And it's multi generational protection. Listen to the word. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their their labor. One will fall, but the other can help them back up. Do, Do you capture this? We need one another. That's what I love about this church. This church isn't just a a, a group of individuals. It's a group of people collectively coming together, and we are here for one another. I've watched this over and over and over again, how the church family has reached out and loved and pulled in and encouraged, have been a protective cover, have been a blessing. And that's what our families individually should be. We should never feel isolated. We should never feel alone. And in family in particular, we should know there's protection. What are some of those storms that will happen? I think think some of the the unique things that happen are are, are so overwhelming. You ask kids, what's the the number one thing about your family that you love? And I've shared this over and again with with kids. And and if you take 10 kids, 8 of them will have a derivative of this. My family takes care of me. My family takes care of me. There are a lot of storms, but there's three that really seem to be predominant. One is change. Change. Those are big bumps in the road. You're driving down, you hit a pothole, and I mean, it'll jar the teeth right out of you, and all of a sudden, you know, man, I got to go to Les Schwab and get a front-end alignment. Change that happens suddenly can create impacts into lives that They're harmful. I remember when we were pastoring in Sandy, we'd been there for 10 years. And the Lord, through a lot of things, we, we moved. It was, a, it was a great church. We loved the church. We moved from Sandy to Salem. And we lived out in Kaiser. And because we were in that school district, our daughter, who was a junior at that time, highly involved with the school. She was a cheerleader, involved with all of the stuff going on. And we moved. I remember taking her to school. The school she was supposed to go to was McNary. And I pulled up in front of the school and prayed for her. And she gets out of the car. And I watched her. She walked up to the front door of that school. And she just stood there. And I could just watch her shoulders as she went. She walked through the doors. I got there when school was out, before school was out. I didn't want to be late. And I pulled that old yeller pickup (laughs) up in front of that school. Kids are coming out, and here comes my daughter. And she saw me, and her steps quickened, and she got in the car, and she just broke down and sobbed. And she said, Dad, this has been the worst day of my life. I don't know anybody. I had to eat alone. Every day, the same story. Every day, the same thing. Change was horrible. We were able to transfer her to a school where there were kids in our church that went to the school that she knew. She didn't know one student at McNary, but she knew kids at McKay. There are times when you go through bumps and roads where you go through a job loss and it affects your kids. You go through a situation that impacts your children. There's health issues that happen in a family that impacts kids, kids' Kids are malleable, and they're resilient, but it impacts them. It storms, and that's where families gather together. She would get in the car, and the only thing I could do is cry with her. She didn't need my words. You see, the Bible says we weep with those that weep. There's nothing wrong with, with expressing your emotion with them because that's showing and sharing their pain and letting them know. Harmful ideas. Harmful ideas happen every day with our kids. From the time a child is born until they're 18 years of age, they will watch 18,000 hours of television. That's not counting video games. And in that 18,000 hours, they will have witnessed tens of thousands of murders and every possibility of sexual diversion that you can imagine. I can provide my child with organic food and gluten-free bread. I can, I can take care of them physically. I can do all of these things. But if I'm not guarding their mind, I'm only providing. I'm not protecting. There were, there were rules in the Edwards home. There were certain things that we didn't go to. And there were certain things that we didn't participate in. And there were certain things that were off limits. And I, I remember people saying, Pastor, you're just too strict. You're too... No, I was protecting my children. Because there's a world out there that's wanting to kill my children. And I have a responsibility as a father and as a parent, as a pastor and as a grandparent to do everything I can in my power to protect my kids and the kids of this church from the horridness of this world. You call it old-fashioned, you call it whatever you want, I really don't care. I want to protect the minds of my kids. Rejection. That's a storm. How many of you have ever felt rejection from a significant person in your life? Rejection. Rejection comes in many forms. I, I hated basketball when I was a kid. There's kind of a reason. And in gym class, they'd divide us up, and they'd have a captain here and a captain there, and you pick your team, and finally they'd come and one would say, All right, I'll take Dale, you take the girl. I hated it because it was rejection. Do you all understand what I'm talking about? I mean, that's a little light, and it wasn't quite that bad, but almost. Rejection. None of us like rejection. It's a horrible thing to feel rejected by other people. It, it hurts. David said, and now in my old age, don't let me, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing me. You see, this is Multigenerational. I'm getting to the point where I can understand a little bit of David's idea. Not quite there. But you see, a family protects. And it's not just one generation. It's multi-generations. Families are for life. My mother is 89 years old. Still ornery. We thought we were about to lose her about a month ago. In fact, they were telling us to get our things in order. She's too ornery to die. I talked to her on Wednesday, and I heard all of this commotion. I said, Mom, what's going on? She says, I'm getting a permanent. I said, really? She says, I want to look good. But my mom lives with my sister. My sister and her husband are going through some challenges. He's on full dialysis. And it's it's tough. It's rigorous. And mom's care is rigorous. And my sister is only one person. And we've had to have mom into an assisted living place. And I don't like it. I don't like it. It is a nice place, and they love my mom. She's got a new audience every day. (laughs) I love it, and she's being very well cared for. They're taking very good care of mama, but it's too far away. Families are for life. They're for life. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Awesome families. Awesome families serve God and others. We didn't have a lot of money when we were raising our kids. Money's never been the object of our lives. But God gave us riches. He gave us the opportunity of Having in our home world leaders, not, not political leaders per se, but great influencers in the kingdom of God. I'll never forget the night we had Mark Montaigne. I made the mistake to have Mark pray for dinner. Mark went into intercessory prayer for Calcutta, India. I'm curious. I'll never forget a prayer. Oh, Jesus, please come quickly. But do it tomorrow because Calcutta is lost today. And I was able to have my kids exposed to that kind of rich encouragement. My dad passed away in 1986, and I remember at his funeral, Four young men came up to me. Growing up, Dad was a businessman. <clears throat> we didn't have a lot of money. The employers, employees got their salary, but sometimes Dad didn't take one. Money's were not always that fluid. Oh, we had food and we had that. But Dad taught me how to give. These four men came up to me at individuals at different times and said, I wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't have been for your father. Tell me your story. They'd hit a hard time, and Dad, out of his own pocket, would come up with something to help them. My mom, she's a giver. She'd give away the farm if she still had it. I learned to be a giver. I learned the joy of giving. I learned the delight that other people are valuable. Dad did not talk about people. He had a partner that was struggled with alcohol and he used to tick me off because my dad worked so hard. And, one day I made a comment, my dad looked at me and says, I don't want to ever hear you say a word like that again. He's my friend and I've known him a long time. And he spoke into my life that people can be flawed, but they're valued. I couldn't learn that. I didn't learn that in a Bible school. I didn't learn that in a university setting. I didn't learn that in some school. I learned that at the feet of my own dad. When we serve other people, we're really serving the Lord. So when when I, I look at these illustrations, they're simple. They're, there's nothing profound. But the point of all of it is Jesus. Can I make a difference? I want an awesome family. God's blessed us with a really good family. And he's blessed me with a great family. Amen. I'm going to ask my staff to come the greatest example of family is the father who gave his son he who was rich became poor that we who were poor might become rich through his poverty he blessed us he gave us his life What an awesome father. (laughs) Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. In just a moment, we're going to receive these elements that remind us of the incredible gift of a father who cared so deeply about his son and yet was willing to give that son to a world who was broken and wounded, so desperate. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for this simple illustration this morning. I pray you'd bless now our time together in this moment. Help us to really reconnect in this moment to you. You want us to enjoy life. You want to grow us. You are there to protect us. But you want us to be global in our influence and loving of other people. Lord, let these simple little messages sink deep into our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come, if you would, as we prepare to receive communion.